Hello, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, the lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just wanted to say thank you for joining us here online. It is our prayer that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our services at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 12 p.m. We are located at 4401 Highway 155 North in Stockbridge, Georgia. You may visit our website for more information about our church at www.sccview.net. Again, that website is www.sccview.net. I want to say it again. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Good afternoon, everybody. It is so good to see you. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you so much coming to this service. Uh, you know, by your presence here, you're making room in our 1030 service, and I thank you so much for that. It is good to see you. We are, are in a series now. We're called Daring Faith. And, uh, you know, when I was growing up, it was really, people say, I dare you all the time. I'm like, and I was one of those guys or kids that, you know what, you dared me, and, and I, I did it. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, you, you, and then they, especially when someone said, I double dog dare you. I don't know what the dog has to do with that, but I, I know that's all, we said that, and it was like it was on at that point. And so today, we're going to talk about faith, and, and, and in this series, we're talking about that. But we want to talk about preparing for a miracle. Now, how many of you could use a big miracle in your life? Let me see your hands. Anybody besides me? Okay, great. Because you're at the right place. I want to make sure that I'm talking to the right people. You're at the right place. And today we're going to talk about that. As we prepare for this, you notice the title that I have on your outline. It says, uh, How Faith in Jesus Turns a Little into a Lot. And the reason I have that title is because I want to go to one of the most familiar stories in the Bible. I hate to use the word story because it's a truth. When I say story, it seems like fairy tale. But it's the feeding of the 5,000. The reason I know it's one of the most famous is because it's, it's one of the only miracles that are recorded in all four Gospels. All the Gospel writers, the disciples, they wrote about this miracle. It was so amazing. And then I want you to know this, that Jesus never does miracles to show off. You know that? He never did miracles to show off, but Jesus always did miracles to teach us a lesson. And so today I want to teach you this, but I want to give you the main point that I want you to remember throughout this series. I want you to remember this point if you don't remember anything else. And that is this. You ready? It says this. You can read it on the screen behind me. God wants to do a miracle through me, not just for me. Would you read that out loud with me? Come on. God wants to do a miracle through me, not just for me. And that is something that I think you can see. When you look at your miracle as being selfish, then I think it puts it in a whole other perspective. But when you say, God, you know, when you, you do this for me, you do this through me. Not just for me, but through me. And that's what we're going to learn today. The greatest miracle did it was done for people, but it was also done through people as well. So if, uh, if you would just go ahead and get your outline out, we'll write down number one. If you'd write this down with me, here's the first thing that I think we need to do to prepare for a miracle. And that is this. Number one, admit I have an unsolvable problem. Admit I have an unsolvable problem. I mean, why would you need a miracle if it wasn't unsolvable. I want to let you write that down, and then I want to talk very directly to you. If you will 
give me permission to be blunt. Can I be, can I be blatantly honest with you today? Can you take that? All right. Here's what I want to say to you. If you have a situation, if you have a problem that is solvable, that it can be solved, solve the problem. Did you hear what I'm saying? Many people are praying about situations that can be solved, that they can solve. So I would tell you to solve the problem. You know, like, there's a lot of people that are late to work, and that there's a lot of people that are late to school, late to college. And the reason is, is because it's not everybody else's fault. It's that because they play basketball with the snooze alarm. Boom, 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 boom. They dribble it, you know? Really, that's a solvable problem is you don't have to be late. Is that you can choose to do better. And so you got to solve that problem. And, and so you don't think I'm picking on you. I had that problem years ago. And I found out that I had to put my clock in the master bathroom. So as long as I got up and got on my feet and went to the bathroom, then I was okay. But I mean, years I would hit that snooze button, you know, I had to solve the problem. So you got to solve it. If there's something in your relationship, listen, if you're married today, then there's something in that relationship that you know, you know, I, you know that when you do this, that, you know, you're going to cause a fight, then solve the problem. Quit doing it. You know, maybe you're, uh, today you're, you know, you're single and maybe you're in high school or, or middle school or maybe you're in college or whatever. And there's an issue going on that, you know that you're part of the problem. Solve the problem. Solve the problem. Figure it out. Solve the problem instead of trying to pray. You know, many people are praying prayers that God's saying, listen, I'm not going to do that for you. You can do it. Solve the problem. I'll tell you what. Common sense, having common sense will not help you. Using common sense will take you up to great heights. Did you hear that? There's a lot of people that have common sense, but do they use it? And there's a big divide in life. Here, here I want to help you out now. Again, you give me permission to be honest. You know, I hear people that have big problems, and I talk with them, and they say, you know, I know I shouldn't do this. I know I shouldn't do that. I know this shouldn't. I know, I know, I know. But they have never transferred from knowing to doing. You can recognize, you can look your problem in the eye all day long and know that you've got, but until you move from knowing to doing, friend, you're not going to get anywhere. You've got to move from knowing to doing. Instead of saying, I know, I know, I know. No, you move from I know to I do. And then when you do that, it changes your life, changes your relationships, changes your outlook on life. Now, let me just go ahead and set the record straight. Some of you are sitting here saying, okay, I'm... I'm leaving my husband when I get home. No. <laughs> That's not the solution. You know, I'll solve this problem. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. I'm solving it. I'm filing tomorrow. <laughs> no. I think you understand what I'm saying. Solve the problem. So we look right into the story in Mark 6. And the reason I tell you this is because why would I want you to continue to live in misery? You know, when you can be free. In Mark 6, we jump right into this story, the feeding of the 5,000. Look what it says. When Jesus saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, so he began teaching them. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came and said, this is a remote place, send the people away so they can go buy for themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said, that would take eight months of a man's wages. To do this. 
And so there's three things that I want you to see that the three responses they gave when they have a big problem, then there's three responses that we typically give when we have a big problem. The first one is this, is that we procrastinate. We procrastinate. Notice the disciples, what they said is, is right there on your outline. It says, by this time it was late in the day. In other words, they had all day to solve this problem, but they decided they were just going to keep waiting. They was going to ignore it, put it off, put their head in the sand, and act like it didn't exist. You know, it's like cancer, man. If you don't deal with it, it will kill you. You have to deal with it. I just wonder right now, right now in this room, what problem are you putting off? What, what problem are you ignoring, acting like it's not in your life? And then the second thing that we have to do, or what we're tempted to do, is to pass the buck. We're tempted to pass the buck. The disciples simply said to Jesus, you know what? All these people have come. We didn't ask them to come. We didn't tell them to show up. We didn't tell them we was going to buy them some food. We didn't. It's their problem. It's not our problem. It's their problem. So, you know what? It's not our fault they showed up. Why should we do anything? See, we tend to pass the buck and blame it on somebody else. And then the third thing that I think that we, we typically do when we have a problem like this is we panic. We panic. Notice what the disciples said. It would take eight months' wages. We don't have the money. Like, if we did, how would we get the food here? You know, what about the transportation? You know, what if someone breaks their ankle while they're here? Would they sue us and all this stuff? We begin to worry and panic about all kinds of things. And so those are the three things that I think we all struggle with. But notice what Jesus said to them after they gave all those uh, staggering uh, excuses. Jesus said, you feed them. Bam! Right between the eyes. You feed them. Now here's what, the, here's what those guys, when, when they're looking at this crowd of over 5,000 men besides the women and children, they're looking at them and Jesus is saying, you feed them. And they're like, huh, what are you talking Have you lost your mind? We have, we have nothing to start with. We don't, we don't have any, anything ourselves, and you're asking us to feed them. Has God ever asked you to, something, to do something that you thought was impossible? Because remember what we said? We all said we had big, we needed a big miracle. And let me tell you something. If you need a big miracle, that means you've got to have a big problem. See what I'm talking about? So it's this bigness that we want a big miracle, but you've got to have a big problem to have a big miracle. And so God sometimes asks us to do things that seem to be impossible. And Jesus said, you give them something to eat. So the first principle I want you to write down is this. If you want a miracle, is this. It's uh, God wants to stretch my faith. We have to understand that. God wants to stretch my faith. God wants you to believe in Him more than you ever have in 2016. And he wants to stretch your faith that you have to believe in order to do it. You see, if, if everything was easy and you didn't have to believe God, then you would have no faith. It wouldn't take faith. You're, you're created to depend on God. All right, so let's read our main point one more time together. I'd like for you to read it out loud with me this time. You ready? Come on, it says this. God wants to do a miracle through me, not just for me. Through me and not just for me. So that takes us to number two. The second thing is... Give God what little I have. Give God what little I have. 
We jump right back into this story. So there's 5,000 people out on the hill, men outside the women and children. So there could be 15,000, 20,000 people out there listening to Jesus. And they're out there and they're hungry now. Jesus is no, I don't think somebody's come to them and said, I'm hungry. I think Jesus just knows their needs before they even ask. And so now Jesus is telling them, okay, let's take another step. Look what he says in Mark uh, 6 and 38. Jesus asked this question, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said, we have five small what? Loaves, five small loaves of bread. And we have how many fish? Two. We have five small loaves of bread and we have two fish. Here's the second principle I want you to write down when it comes to miracles. God always starts with what I have. Would you write that down? No matter how insignificant it seems to you, God always starts a miracle with what I have. Not what I wished I had. Not, you know, if I had this, I would do this. No, with what I have, God starts that. Here's what I want you to know. Okay, everybody look at me. I want to tell you something right now that you may not know. Is that God already has the answer to your problem. He already knows the answer to your problem before you know you have a problem. Mm, did you hear that? God already, God already knows the answer to your problem before you know you have a problem. Okay, so, so you're never going to catch God off guard, all right? It's like, you know, when you pray and say, God, now, this is happening, God goes, oh, man, oh, man, I didn't know that. Whoa, whoa, wow. Not that at all. He knows. Matter of fact, in John's writing, remember, this miracle is recorded in all four Gospels. John wrote about this, and this is what he says in John 6 and 6. Look what he said. Jesus asked this. The, Jesus asked this only to what? To test them, for he already had in mind what he was what? What he was going to do. Jesus already knew the answer before the problem came up. He already knew. And you must understand, God already knows the answer already. So God is always working on your behalf. Now listen, let me just share this with you, okay? God is doing two things uh, in response to your destiny and your miracle. God is preparing your miracle for you, and God is preparing you for your miracle. Did you hear that? If God gave you a miracle before you were prepared, then you would mess it all up, right? Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but there's been times that when I was flying on an airplane, I would go to the airport because I had a departure time, and I had an arrival time. And I would base my itinerary on the confidence that the airport was going to, the uh, airline was going to keep up their end of the deal. So I would schedule things on my arrival time. I would say, okay, I'm going to arrive at this time. That means I can get a rental car and I can be at this place that I need to be by this time. But there's been times that I've been on an airplane that all of a sudden the pilot comes on and says, this is your captain speaking. And I'm like, hey, how you doing? wherever you are, you know, glad you called me. I want you to know that we're preparing to land, but we have some, uh, we have just received some news that now there's a thunderstorm, you know, in Tampa, Florida, where we're scheduled to land, and we're scheduled to land at such and such time, but because of that thunderstorm, we're going to have to just keep flying around up here, cruising at this altitude up here in a holding pattern while that storm goes away and the runway gets clear. And you know what? I can just say, you know what? I, ah, how dare that pilot mess my schedule up? 
Doesn't he know that I have something to do? Why don't he get on with it? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because, you know what, that pilot has information I don't have. Because looking out my window, it looks good, you know. It's cool where I'm at. Look, the sun's shining. But he knows he has instruments inside of that cockpit that he can read, and it tells him all the barometric pressures and so forth that are going on. Also, he has a, an earpiece in his ear that the ground control is signaling up to him and, and radioing to him and telling him everything that's going on. So he has more information than I will ever know, and he's making the best decision for me even if I don't like it. You, you get that? The other thing I want you to know about God is, so God is preparing your miracle. So if, if, you know what, like that plane, if that plane landed in that thunderstorm, it might crash. But God is preparing your miracle. So, so he's preparing that for you. But the other thing, God's preparing you. He's getting you ready for your miracle. So he's preparing your miracle and he's preparing you. And one day, those two are going to intersect and it's going to be the right time, the right way. You get that? You see, I could give you the keys to a brand new car, and I could say, you know what, here's a brand new car for you. Take this car. That's fantastic if you know how to drive. Hello? You know, why would I give the keys to a brand new car to a 12-year-old who's never had a driving lesson in their life and say, okay, now you just drive all over this town. Well, the car's ready. The miracle's prepared. The kid wanted a car. He'd been praying for a car, 12 years old, and the miracle's here. Here it is. Boom, and then all of a sudden the 12-year-old gets to drive the car. What did he do? He wrecks that brand new car. Why? Because he wasn't prepared to drive. God is saying, okay, I got your car ready. Now I've got to get you ready so that when you receive the miracle, you know how to handle the miracle. Amen? You see, you've been praying for another relationship, but until God gets you straightened out, you'll wreck another one. Woo, did that pastor say that? Yes, he did. Oh, my goodness. See, God, you've been praying for it. God, send me that $900 million Powerball. Well, un until you can handle what you have now, why will you wreck your life with that? That's why the majority of people that win the lottery within five years, they're in worse shape than they were before they won. Why? Because they weren't prepared for a miracle. See, they, saw, they tried to fast-track a miracle, and when you try to fast-track a miracle and you do it yourself, you end up wrecking yourself. I know this is better preaching than you thought you were going to get today. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's just read our point one more time. You ready to the point? What I want you to get. Now, let's read this together. You ready? God wants to do a miracle through me, not just for me. Okay, number three, would you write this down? Put it all in the hands of Jesus. Put it all in the hands of Jesus. Again, we're going back to the Gospels. Remember, John wrote this account of Jesus, and John's account of the feeding of the 5,000, he talks about a guy by the name of Andrew. Andrew's important, remember his name. Andrew was one disciple... And he went out, and Andrew found a little boy that we estimate to be around probably 10 to 12 years old who had five biscuits and two sardines. It wasn't much, but that's what he had. And so the little boy was willing to give that. Now, I want to tell you something that you're not going to read in your Bible. You may not hear from anybody else because it's, it's what I believe, all right? And so it's not factual, but here's what I believe. I believe that that little boy's mother or that little boy had enough sense to pack him some lunch and go out because he knew it would be all day with Jesus. I know there had to be some adults there that had some food. 
I believe that there were some adults there that day that had some food, and I think when they said, hey, has anybody got any food? I believe they hid theirs. I believe they had some. I believe they hid theirs. They're going to keep theirs. Their stuff. I ain't sharing what I got. No, you know, I got just enough for me. And I believe they hid it. But because the little boy was willing to say, you know what, I got five biscuits here, and I got two sardines. You can, here, you want these? I believe because he was willing to give what he had, guess what, and put it in the hands of Jesus, guess what, now he became the hero of the story that we're talking about over 2,000 years later. I wonder how many other people were in the crowd that we'd be calling their names today if they had to try to hide what they had. Mmm, try to hide it. Like the, he was the IRS or something, you know? In Mark 6 and 41, look what it says. Jesus did with that little bit that boy handed. It says, Jesus took the five loaves and two fish. He looked up the, toward heaven. And what did he do? He blessed them. Whatever you put in the hands of Jesus, he blesses. Isn't that great? And when Jesus blesses it, look what happened. He blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to who? The people. See, he did a miracle for the disciples, but he also did it through the disciples. You see that? He did a miracle for them, but through them. For them, but through them. For them, but through them. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. You know, would you write this down? I want to tell you a little about this. The third principle is this. God will use whatever I give him. God will use whatever I give him. Now, can you imagine being this little boy and all of a sudden giving that to Jesus and watching this miracle take place? And here, here's the lesson I want you to get. The lesson is this, is God takes nothing and turns it into something. God takes nothing. God, God is the expert. God is known for taking nothing and turning it into something. Now, anybody can take something and turn it into nothing, Right? I mean, you ever met people like that, you know, uh, like, you know, your friends that maybe you grew up with, maybe they were spoiled brats, maybe their parents had plenty of money, gave them everything they wanted, and, and you know what, they had, they had a high IQ and all this stuff, and they'd done nothing with their life. You ever met people like that? Like, they're, they were so, you were like, God, make me that smart. Lord, well, if I had that, I could do this. And they just done nothing with it. Many people, you know, uh, have taken a lot of something and done nothing with it. But God is the only one who can take nothing and make something out of it. You get that? You follow me? Now, why is that important to you? I'll tell you why. Because some of you are sitting here today and you say, you know, I am nothing. I have nothing. I have no abilities. I have no special talents. I really have nothing. I've really been told I am nothing. And, you know, growing up, there was people who told me, you're going to amount to nothing. You know, you're never going to make anything out of yourself. You know, people told me that kind of stuff. And you know what? They were right. But you know what happened is when I was 15 years old, you know, and I had been a rough teenager. You wouldn't like me back then. I know you can't believe that now because you look at this. <laughs> but I'm serious. I mean, I was the one that, you know, I was a rough teenager. And I didn't, you know, I said, in the, my dad made me go to church. And I, I remember on that day that when God's Holy Spirit, I didn't know what it was then, but all of a sudden I just felt like, you know, I need to ask God to save me. I remember on that Sunday afternoon, I was, I was at home in my yard and I had been to church that morning, but it didn't do anything. All of a sudden, God just spoke to me like, you need to give your life to me. And I remember on that Sunday saying, God, if you can do something with me, God, I give you me, Lord. If you can do anything with me, you can have me because I'm nothing. 
And I want to tell you, from that day, God has taken this nothing that everybody said was nothing, would amount to nothing. And God has been transforming my life, making something out of it. And I want to tell you something. I'm looking at every one of you that people, maybe you even said, I'm nothing, I'm nothing, I'm nothing. I'm, I'm telling you, you take that nothingness that you think you are, you think you have, and you place it in the hands of God, and he begins to take that nothing, and Jesus holds it up, and he blesses it. And when God blesses it, he turns it into something, amen? I mean, they had five biscuits and two sardines. And all of a sudden, this is nothing. This is nothing. What is this among so many? It's nothing. But God takes it. Jesus blesses it. He begins to break the bread. He gives it to the disciples. The disciples take it, and they start giving it away. And they say, okay, this is my last piece. And they give it away. And they look back in their hand, and there's a whole other loaf of bread. They take a fish, and they take a piece off of it, and they give it away. And they say, okay, this is my last piece. And they look back, and there's a whole other fish in their hand. Wow, God is the only one that can take nothing and make something out of it. Amen, amen, amen. What do you what do you need to put in God's hands? What are you holding on to? What are you afraid to let go of? You hold on to your nothingness and you're going to be nothing. You're going to have nothing. But you release what you have to God. You release that little bit to God and God makes something out of it. There's a couple in our church Seven years ago, walked into our church, beaten down by life. They come in, I didn't know this then, but they owed $100,000 on credit cards. That's not counting their house payment. That's not counting their car payment. $100,000 on credit cards. And they've given me permission to tell you their names. One of their names, their name is Amato and Helen Fajardo. $100,000 on credit cards. I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know that was possible. He said, Pastor, I felt so dejected. I felt like as a man I'd failed my family. We had a hole we couldn't get out of. And he said, something inside of me would not let me just go file bankruptcy and try to start over. They walked into this church. And then they heard about financial peace. And they decided that, you know, why don't we give it a try? And they went to Financial Peace University, the class that we offer here twice a year. They went to Financial Peace, and they took their nothingness, their nothing, their de dejected, beat-down life, and they had put it in the hands of God. And they said, Lord, we'll do this. And they went through Financial Peace, and after five years, hello, five years, it wasn't one year, two years, three or four, it was five years of following God's plan and putting their nothingness into God's hands. I'm here to tell you today that after five years, they had been out of debt for over three years now. God has done a miracle in their life. He took that nothing and he made something out of it. Hey, 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 here's the good news. Here's the good news. Watch this. What, remember what we said? God don't want to just do a miracle for you. He wants to do it through you. Now guess who's teaching financial peace? You hear that? You see what I'm talking about? And listen, you're sitting here today. You're gonna, we're signing up for connect groups now. We're doing a financial peace connect group this, this uh, spring. You should sign up. Why? Because there's somebody that's had a bigger problem than you'll ever have in your life financially. And God took their nothing and made something out of it. They can help you. Wow, 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 wow. Maybe you're sitting here today. You know what? Your first step today... If you want a miracle from God, is that you've got to give yourself 
to God. You've got to give, you've got to realize, you know what, I am nothing without you, God. I am nothing without you. And the first step is saying like I did when I was 15 years old. God, I give my nothingness to you. I've been a bad person. I've done all these things. You have no reason to like me. But God, if you can want me, I'll give you me. I'll, I'll, God, I'll take you. And you do that by simply praying, God, save me. Come into my life and save me. Forgive me of my sins, God. And if you do that, my friend, you're giving your nothingness to God and He'll change your life. And I ask you to do it. I hope you'll do that. Say that prayer. You don't need me to say it for you. You can say it. And if you do that today, all I'm asking you to do is check this box on the back of this connection card so that I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower. Okay. Remember what we said I don't want you to forget is this. God wants to do a miracle through me and not just for me, right? God wants to do a miracle through me, not just for me. Okay, number four, write this down. Expect God to multiply it. Expect God to multiply what you give Him. While you're writing that down, just drop your eyes a little bit lower than the next verse. Everyone ate and had enough. Then the disciples took up 12 basketfuls of what was left over of the bread and the fish. After feeding 5,000 men and the women, there was plenty of leftovers. When you give God... When you give God what you have, He makes sure that He multiplies it. Now, I want to go ahead and give you the fourth, uh, the fourth principle. Here it is. Write this down. Whatever I give, I always end up getting more back. Getting more back. It's multiplying principle. This week as I was preparing, I was talking to Pastor Chris about this, and, and he shared something with me that I want to share with you today. Is that, you know... the. The disciple Andrew that we talked about, remember him? I said, remember his name? Andrew's the one that brought the, the little boy to Jesus, right? Now watch what happened. When after Jesus was crucified, the disciples were persecuted as well. And so sometime later, Andrew was actually crucified as well. But he wasn't on a regular cross. He was on a cross that looked like this. Look at this picture behind me. Is that the guy standing out like this. His cross was in the form of an X like this. It's called St. Andrew's Cross. If you look it up now, you'll see a cross made like this. Now what's important about that is this. There was a mathematician in the 1600s who actually was trying to find a symbol that meant multiplication. So they had to find a symbol. They would come up, it was like 1631. And as he did this, watch what happened. He went back to the Bible. He read the story of Andrew, St. Andrew, how that St. Andrew brought the boy to Jesus and Jesus multiplied the food. So therefore, he said, the symbol of multiplication should be St. Andrew's cross. So every time that you hit a calculator and you're multiplying and you hit that X, it should remind you of the feeding of the 5,000. St. Andrew's cross. You see, God wants to multiply. That's the story. Is God wants to use you to multiply. He wants to multiply in your life. Look at our memory verse. It says this in Mark 10 and 27. All things are possible with who? With God. So you see, this miracle is appropriate for our church because God is wanting to feed hundreds of people through us spiritually. People are dying and starving to death spiritually. Our world, look at it, it's out of control. People are like ISIS is really like, you know, everybody's scared about that. And let me tell you something. The reason that all that is on the rise is because good people like us have been quiet. Now God has said, I want to use you to bring revival. You overcome evil with good. And God says, I want to use you. I want to use you to feed a, a hungry community. 
All right, look at me just a second. I want to ask you a question. Do you expect me as a pastor, your pastor, to um, be accountable to bringing you things that will help you grow spiritually? You believe that? That's my job, right? Okay, this means yes, this means no, right? So, so you expect me as a pastor, right, to do everything I can to help you grow spiritually. That's my job, right? Okay. I want to do that today. Inside of your program, there is a card. I want you to take it out right here because this is a tool that I've been praying about for months to give to you that's going to help you grow spiritually this year. It's spirit, we call it our core four spiritual goals. On this card, if you'll look at it with me, I want everybody to take it because I want you to take it home because this is, this is what I'm asking you to do. Uh, is the first one is, it says, attend church service at least three times a month. That means three out of four Sundays, you're going to do your very best to be here. Now, if you're a person that comes to church all the time, you can't say, okay, well, today I got my third service in, so I'm off next week. No, that's immaturity. This is minimal. Then it says, to connect, I'm going to attend at least one connect group semester a year. Maybe it will be financial peace that you're going to do that. But we all, Pastor Chris has already told you about our groups. I want you to get in one. It will help you grow spiritually. Listen, you expect this of me, right? You expect this of me to help you grow. And then grow. Grow as a Christian. Read or listen to the Bible 15 minutes, four days a week. Read or listen to the Bible. You can download off version. You can download the Bible for free to your smartphone or whatever. And you can listen on the way to work or wherever you're going. Listen to it. And the other one is serve. Volunteer at SEC twice a month. You know what? When you serve, there's something about it that helps you grow. And then the last one is share. This is what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to bring four people to church with you this year. So sometime throughout this whole year, 2016, I'm asking you to bring four people. Not just invite. I'm asking you to bring, say, come and see with me. And let's let God give them an opportunity for a better life. Okay. I want to ask you one more question, then we're going to take communion. Can I hold you accountable to this? Does this seem reasonable to you? Can I hold you accountable to this? Okay, nobody's moving right now. They're going, oh, dear God, don't let them look at me. Can I hold you accountable to this? I'm asking you, let's grow spiritually. You see, if you will do these things, you're preparing for the miracle. And maybe you won't have to wait so long before it comes. Do you see what I'm talking about? I want to help you. All right. We're going to prepare for communion now. I want to ask you over the next few moments to just take your time to bow your heads just a few moments while our, praise, our worship team comes. They're going to sing. The first part of this song, I'm going to ask you to remain seated and I just want you to meditate on God. And if there's something, you, a sin you need to confess, you confess it. You get it right with God. But right now, I want you to focus on God before we take communion to make sure your heart's ready. I hope you enjoyed the message today. I would like to stop right here and offer an opportunity for you to say a special prayer. If you're listening today and you're not a Christ follower, I would encourage you to pray this prayer. And it simply says this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior guide my life and help me to do your will. If you prayed that prayer today, 
would you email me? My email address is jeffdaws1 at sccview.net. The spelling of my name is J-E-F-F-D-A-W-S, the number one, at sccview.net. Again, thank you for joining us today. And by the way, if you'd like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church that others may hear the good news of Jesus, I would challenge you to go to our website at www.sccview.net and click the Give link at the top of the web browser. And there's many ways that you can give there. Again, thank you so much for joining us today. It is our pleasure to come to where you are and share the gospel. God bless you.